At the heart of learning is the ability to write. WriteShop understands the challenges of teaching writing. We offer parent-approved, award-winning writing resources for kindergarten through high school. Our writing programs are engaging with step-by-step -step lessons that give your student the necessary building blocks of the writing process. WriteShop not only teaches your child how to write, it shows you how to teach. WriteShop offers many options to guide your students through the writing process and inspire even the most reluctant writers. Parents rave about the results. Whether you're a new or veteran homeschooler, we encourage you to visit WriteShop.com to see how we can help you along your homeschooling journey. With WriteShop, teaching writing has never been easier. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Your host, Felice Gerwitz, is an author, a publisher, and your radio show host. She will encourage, educate, and inspire you with answers to your most pressing questions from homeschool, marriage, parenting, and much more. Felice loves to equip moms to live a Christian life because every moment counts. Be sure to visit her website at MediaAngels.com. And here's your host, Felice Gerwitz. Everyone, welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with an episode of Vintage Homeschool Moms. This is episode 308, and you can find today's show notes at vintagehomeschoolmoms.com. Well, today I have a friend and a very special guest, Kim Kouser from Write Shop, and she's going to share with us five ways to prevent writing meltdowns. Welcome, Kim. Thanks, Felice. I'm so glad to be here. I am too, and I think the last episode you and I did is um, when I asked you to share with us so off-topic to what we both do, <laughs> your packing tips. That was we so were, fun. It was fun. We were um, we were not roomies, but our rooms were next to each other, and I took a look at my, you know, 12 bags, uh, although I was driving and Kim was flying, so that was the difference, but she had everything so neat in this one little bag, and I said, you have got to teach us how to do it. Can we do a podcast? And she was such a great <laughs> great uh, friend to do that. Oh, gosh, because you do travel a lot, so that's, that I was... I do. Uh, yes, I do. so great. Yeah, go see family. Well, Kim, I want you to share a little bit for those who maybe are not familiar with Write Shop, just a little bit about um, what they can find there. You know, you are the, the creative director of Write Shop, um, and that is writeshop.com. And so share with us a little bit about, you know, what kind of curriculum you have. Well, one of the things that I've discovered over the years is that some kids just don't have the writing gene. They are writing phobic. They resist anything that has to do with pencil and paper. And for the parents, they get overwhelmed with teaching writing. It feels intimidating. Even parents who are writers like me, it doesn't automatically mean we know how to teach writing. It took me a while mm -hmm. to figure out how to teach kids like my son who didn't learn naturally. Um, and so... Write Shop over the years has just evolved with adding different levels of curriculum so that we really do understand the challenges of teaching writing. And so we want to teach kids how to learn how to write, of course, through our curriculum, but we also want to teach parents how to teach. And so whether they're young or old, whether they 
um, have strong writing skills or, or they're reluctant, whether they have some learning issues, write chops lessons are step-by-step and they help every child learn to write better. Uh, and it, it's great. And I know that um, I used your curriculum with Ann and Mike and I was really excited uh, to see how um, they just gravitated. Of course, like most of their papers had to do if they had to write about something like I think Annie wrote something about her softball glove. I mean, how you can make a paper out of that, I don't know. Exactly. But <laughs> and, and they were, like, really excited. They said, can we just do anything? And I said, sure, I never thought it would be that. But um, And I'm, I've been a long-time author, but you're so right. It's different when you can just jump in and write something, and then you've got kids who um, it, it doesn't come naturally. So, I'm so excited about what you're going to share today, and I also want to thank you for being um, one of our ultimate Homeschool Radio Network sponsors, and thank you for that. And to our listeners, our sponsors are the ones that allow you to download these episodes for free. So please head out to Write Shop and check out what Kim has to offer. Um, so many great products, You and she's got, you know, a lot of um, – Great things like story starters, and I can't go into everything she has on there. There's a lot. So go check her out and tell them thank you for being our sponsor. Um, Also, I'll have all of their social media on the um, podcast show notes on Episode 308 on Vintage Homeschool Moms. But I'm going to sit back and let Kim share about meltdowns and how to prevent them And um, I'll be back at the end um, with some last thoughts with Kim. So go ahead, Kim, and and share your wisdom with us. Well, I have um, many years of um, accumulated wisdom acquired um, through homeschooling and through teaching writing to homeschool students and to counseling and working with hundreds and hundreds of parents over the many years that I've been doing this. And so I've gathered lots of tidbits of help that I hope will encourage you today. Um, Not every child is going to fit a mold. You know that already. And so the things that I'm going to share today are ideas that you can try with your kids. There's no guarantee, but they certainly will be a step in the right direction if you've been floundering and your kids are just a bucket of tears every time you sit down to pencil and paper. So let's just jump right in and talk about some of the things that cause meltdowns. And I think what I'll do is I'll just give you the list and then we'll go through each one with ideas. So let's start with number one. This is unclear directions. If an assignment leaves your child wondering What am I supposed to write about? How long does it have to be? What kind of writing assignment is it? They don't know if you're wanting them to describe something, to write a story about something, whether it's supposed to be a factual report. Those things all have to be spelled out. And it's really um, hard to leave a child completely um, vulnerable to the idea that he has to write whatever it is that he wants to write about because that's actually like throwing him into the ocean and telling him to swim for shore. He doesn't know where shore is. He doesn't know how far it is. He doesn't know which direction he has to go. All he knows is he's sitting in the middle of the ocean um, in a raft maybe that's running out of air and he's going to be drowning in any minute. 
Instead, you want to say, okay, shore is that way. It is not far. It's like, you know, a quarter of a mile. And if you swim in that direction, you will get there. And if you use this pump to pump up your boat, it will help you to. So giving your kids ideas and direction is really helpful. Um, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on that in just a sec. So the second one, writer's block, or kids just feel stuck. They can't think of ideas. This is really common. Number three is putting pencil to paper. The physical act of writing, the ideas in their head, they just can't make it to the paper. Whether your child's a perfectionist or has unreasonable expectations or learning challenges um, or they can't remember what they want to say, putting pencil to paper can really stymie a child. Number four is trying to do too much in one sitting. And um, your kids can get that feeling that they're never going to be finished, and that's when the tears start. Um, and the fifth one, believe it or not, doesn't sound like it would be tear-inducing, but it's boredom. They get so bored with what it is that they're doing that it, they start to fight it. And then the fighting wells up the anger and the emotion, and then they have a meltdown. So let's address each one of these things and talk about things that you can do that are practical, that are hands-on, that um, have encouragement attached to them so that your kids can feel a lot less overwhelmed and a lot more um, eager, if not enthusiastic, about writing. We want them, even if they never learn to love it, we want them to learn to at least appreciate the process. So number one is you need to tackle those unclear directions by being clear about lesson expectations, being more specific about what it is that you want them to do. So whether you um, specify the kind of writing, so not just I want you to write about, like Felice said, your softball mitt. You say I want you to write a descriptive paragraph about an object. It can be your softball mitt. It can be um, a, a favorite object in your bedroom, it can be um, this teacup that's sitting on the counter right in front of you, whatever it is that you want to write about. I want you to describe it. I want you to use sensory details about what it looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like, its texture, its color. So you're giving them parameters for their expectation. If you just say, I want you to write about an object, they don't know if you want a short report about a baseball mitt. If you want a description of a baseball mitt, if you want a story about a kid who gets a baseball mitt, do you see what I'm saying? So being really specific is going to help the student. Also being specific about the general expectations of the length of the assignment. Again, I was talking about the ocean scenario. So if your kids don't know how far they have to swim, that's kind of like they don't know how long the paper has to be. If you're working with beginning writers or kids who just cannot hold it together um, because of the emotion of, of writing, then give them limits and say this paper needs to be one paragraph of five to seven sentences. That gives them a sense of, oh, okay, I can do this. I don't have to write two pages. It's just one paragraph, five, six, seven sentences. It, it just is very freeing and and liberating for them. Um, kids who are 
wordy and rambling. Usually it's girls, and usually they take tangents and they can't stay on topic. Again, giving them a parameter like that keeps them from getting off track and losing their focus and ending up not knowing how to finish their story or report because they've lost track of all the details. So keeping it contained is also really helpful for them. So be be clear about your um, directions and expectations to help your kids not have a meltdown um, about that particular aspect of writing. Number two is writer's block. What do you do when your kids feel stuck, when they can't think of any ideas, when they don't know what to write about? There are several things that you can do here. One of them is to give them a, a specific genre, whether it's through your writing curriculum, like in some of our Write Chat books, the kids are writing about something specific like an adventure story. Um, or they're writing a science fiction, or they're explaining a process, or they're describing a place. So they already have a basic idea of where they're going. Then you can give them some suggestions with topics. You don't have to tell them what to write about. And as a matter of fact, the kids will be more vested in it if they have a say in their writing. You may be really bored to read paper after paper about a softball mitt, or paper after paper about horses, but if those are the things your kids are in love with and passionate about, then they are going to be much more excited to write about those things. So if it's describing a place, let them choose the place. Don't say describe a, um, a library if your child would rather be on the soccer field. Um, don't have your child describe a, um, you know, your backyard if they'd rather be in the kitchen with a cup of hot chocolate and a book. So help them to find a topic that's going to suit them. Um, another thing is when kids get stuck, when they have writer's block, sometimes it just helps them to talk it through. If you ask them questions, if you prompt them, um, it gives them a sense of um, kind of loosening the cobwebs. So they can just start doing a brain dump as you ask them questions and you just write their notes as they just regurgitate their ideas about their topic. And so it might be things about the way this this thing looks or maybe, you know, maybe it's all sensory stuff about how it looks and or if it's a food, what it tastes like, what it smells like. And there there's no random order. There's no rhyme or reason. They're just throwing out facts. Um, it could be about an experience. And so they're just giving you quick snippets of memory of things that they remember, what they did and what they saw and um, maybe what they ate. And, and, again, you're just writing these things down as they do this brain dump. Later on, when it's time to write, you can help them corral these ideas um, with a graphic organizer so that then they can plan the details, flesh out their ideas, and organize their writing. So graphic organizers is another thing that will help kids who are struggling because they feel stuck or don't know where to go with their ideas. Number three, I mentioned putting pencil to paper. And that is really a massive challenge for many kids and a huge source of emotional breakdown over the writing process. Whether your kids have um, cognitive 
or sensory um, issues or they have physical limitations that like dysgraphia or dyslexia, um, whether they struggle with immaturity and just don't have the skills to do the writing well independently, um, if their ideas get stuck, it's hard to get writing ideas from the head to the paper. There really is quite a bit of process that we just don't think about. We don't think about it any more than we think about taking a breath because if something comes into our head, we pick up a pen and we write it down. It's a sentence. We can write the sentence that comes into our head. The kids who struggle with any one of these areas, whether they're perfectionistic or they set the bar too high for themselves, um, for whatever reason, they can't get the idea to travel from their head down their arm through the pencil and onto the paper. And whether they get tripped up by not knowing how to spell a word or forgetting about punctuation or the ideas just escape them or their arm is cramping and tired, that great idea that's in their head ends up being three short, vague words on their paper. So my solution to this, when your child really struggles with getting ideas on paper, is to let them dictate to you. You be their scribe and you write down the ideas that they're giving you. You talk about, and this is not just the brain dump that I mentioned before, but this is where you're actually helping them structure their story through oral conversation, but you are doing the writing. There is no shame in this. You should not feel guilty that you're handicapping your child. I speak from personal experience as well as years of experience with parents. And I can tell you, you will not wreck your kiddo by doing the scribing. The writing is so much more about who comes up with the ideas and how the wording is phrased rather than who does the physical writing. The Apostle Paul, Socrates, a high-powered CEO in corporate America. These guys don't sit down as a rule with pencil and paper in hand and write. They have scribes. Paul talks about using a scribe. In Romans, um, the guy Tertius says, I, Tertius, write this with my own hands. Um, he was scribing for Paul. Um, CEOs have secretaries. It's still their words. We don't attribute the Book of Romans to Tertius. We attribute it to Paul. So letting your kids dictate to you is letting them uncork their ideas and you are writing their thoughts and their words and you're capturing the way that they express themselves. If you let these struggling writers do it themselves, you're not going to get the full picture of their verbal abilities. So let them go ahead and do this. If they dictate to you, you can be asking them questions. You can prompt them. So that's a great way to start. Okay, so what happened next? Or if you're talking about a description, um, you can prompt them about things that it looks like and feels like. And let's look at a word bank. Let's pull up a texture word bank from the Internet. Or if you're using a book like Write Shop 1 and 2 that has a word list in the back, you can look at their texture word list and say, so what does this object feel like? And they can say it's hard and bumpy. 
what else? I don't know. That's all I can think about. So you direct them to the word list. They can see that there are other words like knobby or um, or gnarly or, um, you know, if it's smooth, it could be glassy or it can be satiny. And as they start to see these new words, they can put add them to their sentences and give you a more mature sentence that you can write down. Later on, kids who are old enough or able can copy what you wrote. Little ones, you can just work on um, work off of what you wrote yourself um, on their behalf. You can edit off of that one because it's still their words. And you, they can work with you. Um, so either way, either they can copy it or they can type it or you can just work off of the copied version. And I did this with my son until he was um, into his early teens because he really struggled with physically writing. Um, he has a Ph.D. in philosophy and theology now. That did not happen because of my teaching him how to write, but it happened because he had the brain to come up with all these ideas. He just didn't have the physical ability to write them down. And as he matured, and that came forth in high school, and then he became more of a skilled typer, then he was able to tackle academic writing um, with all the ideas that were in his head. It, it came over time. It just didn't come with the snap of a finger. All right, let's move on to number four, trying to do too much in one sitting. This can overwhelm a child and um, when they think that they have to get it all done and they're looking at the clock and they're looking at their paper and they're not very much on the paper but the clock is ticking away and they know they've got a whole pile of schoolwork left, the brain starts to shut down. It just gets overwhelming. Um, and so there's there's some things that you can do that are actually pretty simple. One of them is realize that writing is a process. It is not a one-time event. Kids like to think it's a one-time event. They like to think that they jump right onto a blank page and begin uh, writing their story or their report or their essay, and they're done. But that's not the case. Writing is made up of a bunch of steps, and these steps can be made manageable, especially if they're spread out over several days. You want to think small. You want to work in chunks. So pre-writing is a warm-up time that gets kids ready for writing. It warms up their writing muscles, and you can do this before they begin an actual writing activity for the day. So it can be something really small that just takes a few minutes. It can be a story starter. It can be a, a writing prompt. It can be an activity that's built into your curriculum. But it's something that um, kind of gets those cobwebs loosened up so that they're ready to start working, just the same way that you would warm up before you go on a run um, or before you do a, a big workout. You're going to do smaller things to get the muscles warmed up. The second step of writing is brainstorming, and this is where you plan, you organize, you think about the details, you you um, ask yourself questions, you work off of a brainstorming sheet or a graphic organizer that helps you not only organize the writing, but think about what to say. The third part is the first draft. We like to call it a sloppy copy because we want kids not to feel like they have to be perfect the first time. 
Um, as a matter of fact, I love this quote by Robert Cormier. He says, the beautiful part of writing is that you don't have to get it right the first time, unlike, say, a brain surgeon. So telling our kids there's no penalty for a bad first draft. So that's just part of the process. Self-editing is the next step where they take a, a, um, a checklist or some kind of a, an editing rubric and they can go through it step by step based on their age, based on their level of writing, so that they start out really small, looking for small things like, did I start all my sentences with capital letters when they're in primary ages, all the way up to, do I have any misplaced modifiers, and um, did I incorporate um, this particular um, part of speech into my writing? And so... As they get older, their checklist should become longer and a little bit more detailed. But self-editing is a part of the writing process where they learn to search their own drafts and make some corrections before they turn the paper into you. So then the next step is going to be um, writing a revision of that first draft. With younger kids, you'll skip the revision and go straight to a final draft because you'll be working together with them. And then with older kids, there will then be a final draft. So each one of these things can be done in its own day. So over a period of time, and if it's a long, like if you've got teens, you may be stretching a writing project out over a month or longer if it's a quarter-long term paper as opposed to um, a, a paragraph that they can complete in several uh, days or a week or two, depending on um, the schedule that you're keeping. So, again, doing these manageable chunks, instead of telling your kids, okay, I want you to write an essay about the Renaissance and it's due in a week from Friday, um, they look at this as, as unmanageable. So you're going back to step one about being clear about your expectations and you're also coming to this part where you're working in chunks. So you break it down and you say, Today, I want you to come up with a topic. I want you to, to come up with a thesis statement. Um, and then that can be the beginning of it. Then the next day, you want them to start doing some simple research. You want them to eventually work to the point where they're coming up with notes and note cards and um, references. And eventually, they are outlining and brainstorming and writing. Each one of those things can be done in a day's time. And so, again, you're, you're taking this big project, just like anything you would do at home. You would say, I'm not going to say I'm going to clean my house and then sit down and have bonbons and ice cream um, because you don't know where to start. Instead, you say, I'm going to start with the um, downstairs bathroom and I'm going to um, clean the mirrors clean the sink, clean the toilet, mop the floor, or whatever, if your bathroom doesn't have a tub or shower. And then you've got your your tasks for the project, the big, the big project of cleaning your house, the smaller project of cleaning the bathroom, and then the steps that it takes to do that. Same thing with writing. You give them their manageable steps. Another idea is 
Some kids are really amenable to timers. Others don't like them or they don't like the ticking sound, so you can get a silent timer, use a phone timer, and then it just beeps and you're done. You can do anything in 15 minutes. I love that. I've heard that before. I didn't make it up, but I love that phrase. You can do anything in 15 minutes. And so it may be you're going to work for 15 minutes, and then you're going to take a break. You can have a snack for five minutes. You can play a computer game for five minutes. You can read a chapter in your book for a few minutes, or you know, whatever. And then we're going to come back, and we're going to work for 15 more minutes on this assignment because it may be depending on their age if they're really young 15 minutes may be all you need to do with them for that day for an older student um, they may be able to work for 30 minutes and for a teen um, they can work 45 minutes or an hour but you really want to try not to let a writing project go longer than an hour for those even though those older kids because the brain just starts to fry so you need to, to just stop and set it aside um, another thing is just being able to say, we will come back to this tomorrow. Um, that's part of the whole working in chunks. If you spread things out and give yourself days off, then you can either revisit something the next day or you can just take a break with your kids. They can take a break from it and then come back to it. Um, another advantage to working in chunks is your kids um, will be able to let go of their ownership a little bit easier. They don't want to make corrections. They don't see their mistakes. They don't understand why you want them to fix this or that. They think it's all perfect. They like the way they wrote it. And so when you're working in these small manageable chunks, you're able to say, okay, so let's look at this and fix just this or just that. We can do these in these little increments. Um, and so again, you just you want to be able to help your kids to focus. And if they are doing it all at one time, they're writing today and they're editing today, they're going to be too close to their work. They will just have written it. And especially if they put in blood, sweat, and tears to do it, they don't want to turn around and have to fix it. So writing on a Thursday or Friday and taking the weekend off, so that you can revisit it on a Monday, for example, or writing on a Wednesday and coming back to it Friday, it lets them take a breath between their rough draft and their editing. And then they will be more likely to catch mistakes and be willing to change them because they won't just have written it. And then finally, number five, what can you do when your kids are bored? Um, one of the things, of course, is to let them have um, input into the topic. We talked about that a few minutes ago. Some of, of let them choose something they're passionate about or really love that they can write about that will make them interested. Another is to write across the curriculum. So tie in your writing assignment to something you're writing about in history. Instead of making it a separate assignment, do them together so that um, whatever they're writing let's say that they, they're describing an object for their writing, have them describe an object from history. You can go online and find fantastic photos and images, or maybe you've got books um, that show pictures of Egyptian artifacts or um, weapons from medieval times or whatever it is that they're, that they're learning about, and then they can describe an object 
based on what they're observing. It's not quite the same when you can't hold it in your hand, but that's okay because they're still getting the gist of describing while they're tying it into another topic, um, into a hit, something from your um, lessons, whether it's science, art, history, nature, um, you know, whatever, uh, geography. There are all different ways that you can tie writing in. Another thing is to turn writing and, and editing into a game. When you're doing your pre-writing, you can give them lists of um, worksheets that make them take a dull word and turn it into a stronger word. And then they just sit there with this worksheet and they have to use their thesaurus and find ways to... Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. And when they get older, that's a perfectly acceptable way to do a pre-writing with them. But when they're younger... You can make a game of it. You can cut um, T-shirts and shorts out of um, construction paper, and you can write a boring word on the shirt and an exciting word, um, you know, on the the shorts. So let's say that you take the boring words like went or sat or saw, and you put those on the shirt, and you can even clip them to a little piece of string and say, this is our clothesline and we're going to take this boring word off the clothesline and we're going to replace it with stronger words. So then you help them use wordless or a thesaurus to find stronger words. Maybe they can think of them on their own and then they write three or four stronger words on the pair of shorts and then you take the weak shirt off and you replace it with the strong shorts and you clip them on with mini clothespins or a paper clip. And so that's just a game that you're playing to teach them the idea that there are weak words and there are strong words. There are words that convey specific meaning and there are words that are so dull they don't tell anybody what you're thinking at all. Um, so um, that's just one idea. You can play games um, to help them in- increase their sentence length. Um, you can start with a sentence like, um, the animal sat, and they have to come up with stronger words um, for those. And then they have to grow those sentences. So how did the animal sit? The animal sat lazily, or the animal sat on the sidewalk, or the animal, and then what kind of animal? It's a cat. It's a um, a dog. It's whatever. And so then... They're stretching their vocabulary and they're stretching the sentence as you ask them to add a prepositional phrase to make the sentence longer. And now talk about um, giving an adjective describing the animal or whatever it is. And so you're helping them to develop longer sentences that way. Writing prompts are great for pre-writing activities. We have a bunch on our blog, writeshop.com slash blog. You just go to the categories and look for the writing prompts. Writing prompts about crazy holidays, writing prompts about horses, writing prompts about funny animals. Um, uh, I'd rather, writing prompts, you know, would you rather, would you rather um, be bald or would you rather have lettuce for hair? Um, Just funny things like that. We have writing prompts for teens. Um, And so you just give them five or ten minutes to write. There's no pressure. There's no right or wrong. There's no correcting. They just write. Um, anyway, lots of ideas for ways that you can pre-write, and you can also find uh, writing games and activities in the blog section of our um, of our website, writeshop.com/blog. Um, 
editing, baseball editing. This is a really fun idea. You just draw a simple baseball diamond on a piece of paper. You have home plate, first, second, and third base, and you tell the child, okay, first I want you to go through your paper, and I want you to look for words that you think might be spelled incorrectly. They might be right, but you're just not sure. And I want you to circle those with a red pencil. And then I want you to look them up and um, and then uh, in a dictionary and then write the correction. Or maybe with younger kids, you want them to look up three of those words. Um, and then when they're done, they go to first base and they, you know, they mark their place on first base. Then second base, you do the same thing. They're looking through their paper, but they're looking this time for capitalization. Did we capitalize the first word at the beginning of every sentence? Did we capitalize common uh, proper nouns? Um, and then when they've done that and they've made the corrections, they've moved to, to second base. Then third base um, could be punctuation. Um, and then home could be maybe a new skill you're working on. Like maybe the skill was um, using short sentences for action parts of the story and long sentences for lazy parts of the story. And... Um, and so they just, there's just four things that they're looking for. This is really great for elementary ages. Um, and then it just turns their editing into a little bit of a game. So these are just some simple ideas that you can do. Um, there are more causes for meltdowns. There are more solutions for the meltdowns. Um, but before we close up, I just want to give you a bonus, and that is, what happens, what do you do when the meltdown is already in place? How do you help your child recover and get back on track? So for this, I just want to tell you a story. Years ago in my homeschooling days, and I homeschooled um, in the late 80s all the way to the early 2000s. Um, so this was back in the early 90s when my oldest was 13. She's a strong girl. Um, strong will, and she was um, a bigger girl for her age, and so she was physically strong, but also her will was really strong. And she had a dentist appointment, and we were going for a filling. So she knew she was something coming down the pike here. She knew it. She had a full-blown tantrum. I mean, mind you, she is 13 years old. So picture me trying to wrestle an almost adult sized daughter off the landing where she's hanging onto the banister rails for dear life and I'm realizing that at a certain point, even if I can wrangle her into the car, we're going to miss the appointment. So I just went in another room. I called the dentist. I said, here's the deal. And, and the receptionist said, just let it go. We'll reschedule. It's not worth the fight. And I had that permission to do that. So I told my daughter, you know what? We're just going to just, yeah, let's just set this aside. Go take a break. We will make an appointment in a few weeks. And on the new day, the new appointment, same feeling, same everything, she walked to the car without a word of complaint. So, if your child is crumpled into tears over a writing assignment, put it away. It's okay. We're homeschooling. We don't have to follow the 180-day, 
I got to do this today, and if I don't, I'm behind schedule. That is not the homeschooling mantra. The homeschooling mantra is we're homeschooling because we're not a traditional school. So I can revisit this the next day when everyone is fresh. We can look at it in the morning instead of late afternoon. We can um, approach it with more positivity and say, we're not going to have to spend an hour on this. Let's just sit down, fresh slate, clean slate. And you will be amazed what a good night's sleep, a good breakfast, and a fresh attitude will will do to reduce that into um, better results and um, a happier morning for everybody. So, yeah, this is just some ideas to get you going, to help you feel like, oh, my goodness, you can do this. I tell you I can do this. I have lived through many a meltdown, um, not always about writing, but many a meltdown um, in my homeschooling days. I have seen children wad things up across the room and throw their papers. I've seen... Um, tears, I've seen frustration, I've seen anger, I've seen anxiety, and many of these tips have worked at various times along the way to help them feel more um, able and less overwhelmed and emotional. You can do it. Um, I did it. I have seen all my kids successfully through high school, um, and so I just want to encourage you in that way. Um, And then finally, I would just like to offer you a free gift, and that is if you go to our website to writeshop.com forward slash free dash gift, you can um, download our current freebie, which is a full-blown writing prompt packet or um, some kind of a, a story builders, it's, a, it's an actual, I mean, there are pages and pages worth of ideas that you can um, print and um, use at home. Some of them are, are cards that you can sort and let your kids pick and draw from to create stories. Some of them are writing prompts. Some of them are, like right now, um, we have a, a fairy tale and fantasy story builder, but by the time you're listening to this podcast, That'll be in the store, and we'll have another freebie. Um, so you can enjoy that by going to writechapcom slash free gift, subscribe to our email list, and download our current freebie. Thank you so much for your time today. I hope you feel encouraged and ready to help your child avoid those writing meltdowns. Well, it makes me want to just jump right in and start some new projects. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way you make writing incremental, Kim. As I was listening to you, you know, some kids just look at it, like you said, you know, just giving them a topic, it can be overwhelming. But I love how you uh, make it look like it's doable, you know, that there is a time limit um, and that um, it, it is manageable. So thank you for that. This was really wonderful and I think this is a a podcast that parents are going to listen to and they're going to pause it and take notes. Um, So I want to encourage you guys to go to uh, vintagehomeschoolmoms.com and go to um, the five ways to prevent writing meltdowns. And you've got some show notes there from Kim and some that I've added and probably will let Kim look at so that she can edit them for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've got a writer, an editor in the house. I'm an author, but I am not an editor. So I'm a content editor, uh, and there is a difference. But, Kim, do you have any last words that you can leave us with? Yes. Um, I would just love to share that um, it can look really bleak when you have a struggling writer, especially one who is in the younger ages, you know, up to, let's say, um, 13, 14, um, and you just don't see any way that they're going to catch it. And um, I have my own son's experience to fall back on to say it was really hard sometimes and we didn't know that he had an academic heart beating inside of him. We didn't see it because all his learning struggles and his challenges were in the way. And I just want you to feel encouraged to watch for the, the gifts in your children and let them um, let those gifts emerge and give them time. Don't feel like you have to accomplish everything. You can. I revisited writing and reading with my son every year until he finally would catch it. Um, he didn't learn to write till he was seven. He didn't learn to read chapter books. I mean, read till he was seven chapter books. He was probably eleven or twelve. Um, writing was torturous. He couldn't write independently until he was in middle school. Just know that time is your friend, and um, just take lots of deep breaths and know that you can do this. Well, wonderful, Kim. Thank you so much. And I want to invite you guys to uh, not only grab Kim's um, free gift, that's writeshop.com forward slash free dash gift, um, but sign up for her newsletter so that you can receive all kinds of timely information. Um, and also uh, check out, she, she has a coupon code, it is limited, so um, it will be available on our website as well. Um, but if you sign up for her email, you'll be able to receive, you know, uh, contemporaneous um, offers that they have as well as um, some great information. So thank you so much, Kim, first of all, for being a friend, for coming on as a sponsor, and also for sharing this wonderful um, information with all of us. You're welcome. I was so glad to be here with you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Visit Felice at MediaAngels.com and the VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Vintage Homeschool Moms is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.